morning, you have pain right here. Kind of, it's almost kind of between your shoulder blades. And, and I think it's, it, is it you, Cheryl? Okay. Is there anybody else? Because I, I feel like there might be more than one person. In fact, maybe you can check online for that. But come on up, up here, Cheryl. Uh, ¿Cuánto tiempo tienes? You want to, I'll interpret that. <laughs> she really likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. No, I won't. I do, but I can't have them. I'm gluten-free. <laughs> so is it in this area? It is. Stretch out your hands. Father, we thank you that you are the healer. And Lord, we release your healing power into this back right now in Jesus' name. I command injuries to be healed. I command nerves, muscles, ligaments, tendons, bones to be healed and function the way God designed you to function, Father, in Jesus' name. We just let your healing just be released right now in Jesus' name. How's it feeling? Better. Better. How much better? Uh, 80% better. Wow. Well, I, I just want to pray again. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, thank you. For the record, I prayed for it this morning. And you just doubled what I did. Okay, so okay. I just want to make a comment. Have you ever heard my daughter so quiet in church before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you for your healing touch in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I believe that what you've begun, you want to complete here in the name of Jesus. I command just full motion and mobility to be restored to this back. We command all pain, all discomfort to go right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your healing touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let me know at the end of service how it feels, would you? Okay. Great. What's that? Okay, well, you know, we actually have time today. Okay. I mean, I, I want testimonies all the time. Now, this isn't about the motorcycle. No. I'm just joking. I don't <laughs> know. Um, a lot of you know that I went to school over the last few years to become an interpreter and translator. I've been interpreting here. I've been translating for Pathways of Hope. And last week, I got a call from a judge at district court who contracted me to start interpreting for district court starting on January 8th, every week. So it's growing. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Praise God. That's like a, a major answer to prayer. You know, I, I, uh, that's a special gift that, that Cheryl has. You know, I've talked to my interpreters in Mexico and stuff, and. You know, usually when, I, when you preach, you, you say what you're going to say, and then the interpreter interprets it, and you stop while they're interpreting. But see, I don't stop. And so she's not only interpreting what I have said, she's listening to what's being said, and that's a special gift. So Lord, we just bless that. In Jesus' name, let it just increase upon her life. Let it open many, many doors. In Jesus' name. All right, I have kind of an unusual message today. Uh, as far as a, a Christmas message, um, basically where I'm pulling it from. 
I'm pulling it from John chapter 1. And uh, I'm not just talking about the birth of Jesus, but I'm talking about how amazing it is that God became a man. And who this Jesus really is. We're going to be looking at the first 14 verses uh, of the first chapter of John. Uh, there was a young boy who wanted a new bike really bad. So he goes up to his mother and asks, Mom, can I have a new bike? The mother replied, Go write a letter to God saying why you should have a bike. The boy goes upstairs to his room, pulled out a pen and paper, and he writes, Dear God, I've been good this year, and I think I deserve a bike. Later, he decides he really wasn't that good this year. So he decides to write another letter. This time he wrote, Dear God, I've been okay this year. I should have a bike. <laughs> but he decided that that sounded stupid. So he goes upstairs, he, or downstairs, he asks his mother if he can go to the church. She says, okay. So he hurries to the church, grabs a statue of Mary, tucks it under his shirt, hurries out, then rushes home. He goes upstairs and writes, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mom again. <laughs> you speak as a prophet. John chapter 1, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you. We honor you. We welcome you. Open our ears to hear what you want us to hear. Open our eyes to, to see what you want us to see. Let the message of Christmas, the message of the incarnation impact us in this holiday season, in the midst of the busyness. We just ask you to break through that we will not be hindered from seeing the beauty of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, last week, I, I preached out of Luke chapter 1, and we talked about the, the Greek word that's translated word, and that is the word rhema. The word that means the, the freshly spoken word of God. No word from God will be impossible or without the power to fulfill itself. This week, we're looking at the other Greek word that's translated word in English, and it's, it's the word logos. If you wouldn't mind putting up that slide, James. It, it, in, the, in the English, this is what it looks like, L-O-G-O-S, logos. And, and up above that, you can see what it looks like in the Greek. But this word is a word that was uh, borrowed from Greek philosophy. The, the universe was regarded as an orderly, harmonious whole. The word logos refers to the principle governing the cosmos. It includes all the reasoning and understanding about the cosmos. Now, we know that this source of order and harmony is God. And so in a biblical sense, in the, in the, it's the word of God. And that's why it's translated word. In the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. 
we know that it's the word of God which has in itself creative power. But this, this Greek word in this usage describes the medium of communication between God and mankind. All of it. We're not just talking about the compilation of the scriptures, but we're talking about every encounter of every kind. In fact, in your notes, uh, we're talking about every encounter that man has had with God throughout all the ages, every angelic visitation, the burning bush, the, the audible voice of God when it was heard, dreams and visions, every communication, every encounter that God has ever had with man is summed up in this Greek word, logos, the summation of the communication that God has had with mankind. Now, in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So God has spoken through many different means through the ages, and uh, he's spoken to prophets through dreams and visions and audible voices and different angelic encounters. And, and, but but there, there was a point in time where, where his communication, the, the focal point of his communication became his son, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now the Gospel of John begins just the same way the, the first book in the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But, but John says it this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, in both of those places, Old Testament, New Testament, when it says in the beginning, it means before creation. Before what was made was made. And I believe John is very purposely writing this way. He wants us to think about Genesis 1 when we read his gospel. He wants us to see the parallel. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Now notice, it shifted to being talking, just talking about the Word, it became he. We're not talking about an it here. We're talking about he. He was in the beginning with God. This, this word is, is a person of the Godhead. He was there before it all started. Who was? The word was. Now, I'm going to jump to verse 14 for just a moment. Oh, I think I'm talking too fast. Yes. You know, I get excited. And, uh, Tim, I asked you to bring that tranquilizer gun because just one shot, I know I'll slow down. Just as long as it's not too much. So I appreciate Cheryl. What she does is she starts flipping the light on and off back there. And I, all of a sudden, I think I'm, I've, we've got a strobe light in the church. This is amazing. Okay. So let, let's look at verse 14. Then we're going to come right back. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
See, that is the Christmas message. That the incarnation, God became a man. He, he put on flesh and he tabernacled among us so that when we see the word word here, we know we're talking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning, before creation, was Jesus Christ. He was with God and was, in fact, God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, let me just say it one more time. I believe that John begins his gospel this way very much on purpose. He is alluding to, trying to call our attention to, the very first words of the Bible. He wants us to see a parallel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Only when, when John talks about the creation, he says it this way. Talking about the word. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, the word. And without him, nothing was made that was made. That there is the eternal realm and there is the created realm. That there is that which has always existed and always will and that which God spoke into being. All of that which came into being, it was by the word, through Jesus Christ. He is the creator of all that was made, of all the created realm. We read it earlier in Hebrews 1. God has in these days spoken to us by his son through whom he made the worlds. Jesus is the creator of everything that we see. Now, verse 4, it says, In him, talking about Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of man. Contained within Jesus, ready to be revealed to mankind, was life. In him was life. Now, it's interesting, the Greek word that's translated life here is the word zoe, and it means the God kind of life. It's in your notes. The life that comes from God. There is no other source for this life other than God. Now, I'm going to say something that, that might sound strange. Uh, he's, not talk, he's not talking about the life that comes. Go ahead and hit the pause bar one more time, James. There you go. Uh, he's not talking about the kind of life that we come into when we're conceived and when we're born into this world. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the life that you experience when you're born again. When, when, when the Spirit of God breathes upon your spirit and you come alive. See, you're, you're not alive because you were born on this planet from God's perspective. You are only really alive when you are born again. See, God's perspective of life, in his eyes, it comes from being connected with him, being in connection. If you're disconnected from him, you're not experiencing life. You're not experiencing what life was meant to be like. The writer of Proverbs said it this way, Oh, I'm talking fast. Lo siento, mi amiga. The man that wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. So you can be alive, as we think of life, and be in the congregation of the dead. You're wandering through life, but you're disconnected 
from the one who created you, the one who created you with a, a, a purpose. And part of that purpose is being connected with him. You can be alive as we think of, of alive and not be in God's eyes from his perspective. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even though we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You and I were dead in trespasses, in sin. Because of sin, we were disconnected from God, the source of life. But because of God's great love for us, the, the richness of his mercy, he made us alive together with Christ. You have come alive in Christ. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus is found life. Because in Jesus, there is this God connection. And see, he is the only way to experience this connection, this life. He is the only way to be connected with God. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our God connection, our connection to life. And I, I just want to take each one of those thoughts for a minute. You mind putting that back up, James? That he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I just want to talk about each one of those for just a moment. I am the way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. You know, there are many ways, there are many ideas in the world of how to live or what path to be on, but there is only one that actually leads to life. Peter said it this way in Acts 4.12. He said, there is salvation in no other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the door through which we can enter into knowing the Father. But he also said, I am the truth. I want you to think about that. You know, when I was a, a young man, uh, didn't know the Lord, I, I, I was, I'm talking about, have, have any of you ever heard of hippies? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the era I'm talking about. And there were many of us that, that set ourselves to be seekers of truth. We wanted to discover what was true and what wasn't. Although we had this kind of rebellious spirit against the establishment, so to speak. But there were a number of those hippies that actually found truth. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But the, the truth about God is found in Jesus. The truth about what God is like is found in Jesus. Jesus is called the express image of of the person of God, Hebrews 1.3. He perfectly expresses what God, the person of God is like. He is called the image of the invisible God. He, he presented a visible expression of the God who is invisible. 
One time Jesus and, and Philip were talking, and Philip said, well, just show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been this long with you? And you don't recognize, he who has seen me has seen the Father. This is what he's like. He perfectly expressed the truth of what God is like. But he also said, I am the life. He is the source of life. He is the, 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 the way to be restored into relationship with God. I don't know if you understand the heart of the Father. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them with a plan for them to be in deep and intimate fellowship. And when man alienated himself from God, we actually became a planet of orphans. And, and, and the Father has longed, longed to, 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 to restore his Father, the fatherhood of, of himself into our lives so that we would not be orphans, so that we would have this divine connection with our Heavenly Father. Jesus said this in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Life is found in connection with God, in knowing God. And eternal life is to live forever connected to him. Verse 4, in him was life, and this life was the light of men. I'm having a hard time getting past this verse. I'm sorry. This light shines radiantly like light. The word light in this verse means to shine or make manifest, a luminousness. Is that a word? The, the, the life that Jesus possessed, the connection that he had with the Father, it shined like light. In fact, he, he said, I am the light of the world. But, but see, you and I, who have embraced Jesus Christ and, and experienced God through him, that he begins to shine his light through us, through our lives, so much so that Jesus would say, you're the light of the world. You know, we, we used to sing that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what we're talking about. Not now I'm going to shine through you to the world. That This passage goes on describing this light, verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, see, when I read that in English, I think that means that, that the, the darkness couldn't understand, comprehend. But, but that, that word actually doesn't mean that. This translated comprehend, it, it means to take eagerly, to seize, to possess. The New Living Translation says, and the, the darkness can never extinguish it. The New American Standard says, and the darkness did not overpower it. The ASV and Darby say, and the darkness apprehended it not. See, darkness has no power to extinguish light. Darkness can actually only exist where there is no light. That's, that's, that's what allows it to operate. That the kingdom of darkness can only operate where the kingdom of God is not in manifestation. If you walk into a dark room 
and you turn on the light, that that darkness has no power to resist the light. It flees because light has total power over darkness. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I love Isaiah 60 when it's, I believe it's an encouragement to us in the day that we're living in. Arise and shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is upon you. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. We are part of a kingdom that is a forceful kingdom that is moving forward in the earth. The kingdom of God. And you are a representative of that kingdom. You have authority to release that kingdom. You have authority to to represent that kingdom. You're, You're an ambassador on this planet representing a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So now we're talking about John the Baptist, Jesus's forerunner, one who was sent ahead of Jesus whose job it was to to point to Jesus. Verse 7, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. So, So John came to acknowledge and bear witness of the light, to declare Jesus is the one. You know, we see him doing this just a, few verses later in this chapter, verse 29, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What is he doing? He, he is bearing witness of the light so that all through him might believe. He's using the credibility that he has before the people to say, this is the one. Believe in him. Verse 8, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light He was the the one who would point to the light. Verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus is the true light. And he gives light to every man, every person coming into the world. Everyone is given an opportunity to open their heart to the light. Now, listen to the irony of the next couple verses. And this is the crux of my message this morning. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, the creator. And the world did not know him. They did not recognize who he was. They did not know the God who created all things and fashioned them. Whenever I read verse 11, it just kind of makes me sad inside. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He came to the nation that that proclaimed Jehovah as their God. He came to the Jewish people, and they did not receive him. They did not embrace him. He was a gift sent from God to them. He was their Messiah, and they did not receive or embrace him. The gift. They had a hard time receiving the gift. Have you ever had a hard time receiving a gift that someone wanted to give you? Why would someone have a hard time receiving a gift? It's always hard for me 
to receive a gift from someone that I didn't expect to receive a gift from, and therefore I don't have a gift for them, and they come bearing a gift. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't feel like you deserve it because you didn't bring a gift. And see, sometimes we don't receive a gift because we feel undeserving. I don't deserve this gift. Who am I to receive this gift? You can also not receive a gift because you don't actually recognize it. You don't distinguish the gift. The Jewish people did not recognize their Messiah. He didn't come the way they thought he was going to come. He didn't come as the great king. Fifty years ago, when churches in this nation were praying for revival, why were they praying for revival? Well, it's, it's just a good thing to do. But also, they saw a generation of young people raising up the hippies, and, and they were, they were, their lives were interlaced with drugs. The sexual revolution was, was being birthed out of that season. And they looked at this generation of young people that were anti-establishment, anti, you know, uh, and, and they began to cry out for God to, to touch them, for God to send revival. Here's the interesting thing. Hippies started heading into churches, except they didn't know how to dress for church. Some of them didn't have shoes on. They didn't know how to act in church. Some of them came up and just sat down in the altar area. Now, there were churches that did not recognize that this was actually God answering their prayer. This was actually God responding to their cry to, to send revival. And, and they didn't recognize it, and they ushered it right out the door. Like, come back when you know how to dress for church. Come back when you know how to act in church. And they missed the day of their visitation. But there were other churches that said, whoa, what's going on here? What's, what's happening here? God, what are you doing? And they embraced it and, and, and just saw God move upon a, a generation of young people in a life-impacting way. Mickey mentioned that when she's going to start this youth, uh, youth and young adult group, that the first thing they're going to do is they're going to watch the movie Jesus Revolution. How many have seen that? I, I really want to encourage you, if you haven't seen it, that is a powerful show. I, I think for me, because that's when I came to God, was in that season. I mean, they're singing songs that, that were, were the first songs that I started singing as a brand new Christian. But see, the nation of Israel was waiting for their Messiah. But he didn't come in the way that they imagined that he would come. They thought he would come as the great king and destroy all their enemies and, and break the Roman captivity off of them. And the next time he comes, he is coming as this great king, this next time he comes. But they didn't realize that he must first come and die on a cross, that he must first pay the price, the penalty for our sin and, and the sins of the world. And because of that, they didn't recognize him. 
He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They missed the day of their visitation. They didn't recognize what God was doing in their day. They did not embrace and receive him. Now, there were some that recognized him. There were some that received the gift. Next verse. But as many as received him, those that did recognize who he was, those that today who recognize who he is, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, he's talking about the new birth. Those who receive him, they get to experience a born again, a new birthing. And he's contrasting that with being born into the earth, born of blood, born of the will of man. He is describing being born of the will of God, not born as a result of man's idea, but being born as a result of God's will and as a result of receiving the gift that God has sent. They become children of God, born of God, adopted into the family of God as a result of this new birth. You know, we celebrate Christmas by buying and and giving and receiving gifts. It's a big part of how we celebrate Christmas. It's a big part of how we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why? Because it began with God giving the greatest gift. He was the first gift giver. Do you know what the most well-known scripture, single verse of scripture, the most well-known verse in all the world is? Anybody know? That's it. That's it. Let me read that. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The greatest gift that God could possibly give us was his son, who came down and laid down his life for us. Do you recognize the gift of God, because it releases eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, maybe, maybe you feel unworthy to receive the gift. I, I totally get that. I did. But see, God loved you so much that he gave his only son for you. And as you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. You will be connected to your heavenly Father. And as many as receive him, the gift, to them he gave the right, the power, to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, joy to the world. The Lord has come. You know, we have great joy today because we have received the gift, and that gift releases eternal life into our lives. If you have received Jesus Christ into your life, then rejoice. You have great reason to rejoice. I want to invite the worship team to come. 
Maybe we could sing that last song in just a moment. But if you have not received God's gift for you, I, I want to encourage you today that really Christmas is about receiving God's gift, receiving what God desires to release into our lives. That's what this season is all about. Receive the gift of God through faith in, in Jesus Christ. And I invite him to come into your life and to connect you with the Father, to take you out of death and into life. Recognize his gift for you. I know we all feel unworthy of the gift, but don't let that stop you. Humble yourself, humble yourself and receive God's gift for you. Let's stand. I'm going to invite us to pray this morning. And, and if, if I'm describing you, if you have not received God's gift, you know, God is, is, is standing before you with, with the most awesome gift. And, and it's really what your heart is crying out for. It, it's the thing that's missing in your life. It's the thing that you try to do all these other kind of things to satisfy what's missing, but it, nothing, nothing does that. At best, it, it numbs you. But there's a gift that's found in his son, Jesus Christ. If I'm describing you this morning, would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. I recognize who Jesus is. I receive your gift for me today. Please forgive my sins. Show me your mercy, your goodness. Jesus, come into my life as my leader, as my Savior. Cause me to be born again. Connect me to the Father. Help me to live for you. Show me how to walk with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
Help us in this season to glorify you, to, to express you in our families, express you to our friends, express you, Lord, to those who we work with. Holy Spirit, you live inside of us. We belong to you. We presented ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Lord, use us. Let your light shine through us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer teams, would you mind coming forward this morning just to be available to pray with anybody who would like prayer this morning? The benediction I want to give you is, it's actually not a scripture, which is highly unusual for me. May the light of the life that you have partaken of shine through you to touch those around you. Let it awaken your hearts to the God, let it awaken their hearts to the God who loves them. May Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you in this season. God bless you, saints. Have a great week.